Growing Up with a growing understanding speech pathology. Conversations about children's development that will support you through your parenting journey. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up with a Growing Understanding Speech Pathology. Today I am joined by one of our speech pathologists and one of my friends from a growing understanding, Joe Nelson. Joe is a speech pathologist with us on our team and she's also one of our early career clinical leads to support early career speech pathologists on their journey. She has a huge amount of experience working particularly in private practice, but one of her real interest areas is supporting children on the autism spectrum who are experiencing some of those social skill challenges. It's one of her passions and it's something that she knows a great deal about and she has joined us today to start to share some of her insights in what her experience has been and how she works and how she operates to be able to support children in that specific area but those interest areas may also be applied to other children who may be experiencing some of those challenges in the playground in the classroom in being able to relate to other children and to be able to support their social skill development so welcome to the podcast joe thanks so much for having me pleasure so tell me why did you want to become a speech pathologist joe it's a fantastic question i started my career or looking into a career thinking I wanted to help people and that was really what I wanted to do. I very quickly worked out I'm not good with blood and guts though so very quickly realized that being a doctor or a nurse was not going to be for me. I had a friend at high school who said I'm going to do my practice interview for speech pathology and I said great what on earth is that? I sat down and read through it and found out it was a good combination of English skills, a little bit of maths, a bit of biology and thought that's one way I could help people. So that's really what got my love for it started really early on. We often laugh within the team because we always say speech pathologists aren't typically good with numbers, <laughs> that we're very good with English. You, you break the rules with that one. That's, a, yeah, one yeah. of your interests is around numbers and things that you like to do. I'm absolutely the exception to the rule, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you did your speech pathology degree and, and qualified as a speech pathologist. What led to your interest in working with children with social skills challenges? Yeah, it certainly wasn't something that stood out too much for me at uni. You know, I think we maybe did four slides on it in a lecture kind of thing. It, it didn't seem to be the biggest area that we did learn about at the time. What really led me to it was starting my job up in the Coffs, Grafton, Yamba, mid-north coast area of New South Wales. I had a fantastic boss there. Shout out to you, Nathania. Thank you for your love and support. And I also worked with a fantastic OT up there, Lee. Uh, she was amazing as well. What we really found was the type of funding they had up there at the time was HACWA funding which was to support kids on the autism spectrum and that ended up being about 80% of my caseload up there and as much as we wanted to be everything for all the kids we also know that it's best to have a multi-disc approach to these things so having OTs and psychs involved up in the area it wasn't always the case that they had those people available so a lot of supporting them as far as social skills and even sometimes emotions, understanding emotions and supporting them with emotion regulation. It really came up as something that I went, oh, I need to learn about this. And then learning about it and being nurtured by my boss up there has led me to loving it. Yeah. 
And so what are some of the things that you love about working with social skills? I think when people think about speech pathology, they don't necessarily think that that's what they, that we do as speech pathologists. I think that they think that we work on sounds or we, some people have got an appreciation that we work with language and the understanding of language or how we use language. But social skills is a little bit more abstract. They don't necessarily understand what is it that we mean when we talk about social skills and pragmatics. So maybe that's the first question is what do we mean when we're talking social skills and pragmatics? Absolutely. It's a fantastic point and often it ends up being what I chat about with my colleagues is how do I even start to look at social skills? What am I teaching? What are we wanting kids to do? And I think it's a really nice time for us to be practicing because there is a lot of talk about how do we support kids who might have difficulty with these skills and do we need to look at saying how are we going to change what we do for them as well as how are we going to support them to change as well. So it might be things like some kids don't know how to take turns just yet or they might think that one person talking all the time is okay. You know, we have these beautiful kids that have got such strong interests and they might have these things they want to talk about and they're going to just keep talking about it and talking about it. It's getting them to check in with what they're doing and seeing that they're conversing in a way that's going to be um, understood and engaging for the other person as well. Yeah, just a bit of that reflection and monitoring. Yeah. And I, I've had the reflection a number of times where parents have said, well, you know, my child is really shy or my child is really out there. And when we're working on social skills, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're changing their communication style or how they do things. It's more about giving them insights. Um, so social skills is about how we relate to others. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, some of the skills that underpin that. So I think what's really important is that we need to look at individually what those children children are doing and then be able to support them to be able to grow and develop their skills in whatever area may assist them in that relationship building with other people. Yeah, that's right. What's going to be helpful for one child is not what another child needs to work on. There's no blanket going in and saying, this is what you need to learn as a child to socialise. It's going to be different depending on the child and the family and what's appropriate for them too, particularly considering cultural differences and just the personality types of our kids. It's not going to be the case that we want to force shy kids to, to do things that they're not comfortable doing. It's helping them understand how they can best interact with others and yeah, and, and get engage best. Yeah. Are you concerned about your child's communication and language skills? A growing understanding speech pathology will help you and your child grow confidence and communication skills. Visit agrowingunderstanding.com.au to make an appointment today. I mean, I know that the approach that we try to take at a growing understanding is very much individualised to the individual child and the family and to be able to work with the families, to be able to support the child's skills, to be able to grow and develop. Is there a particular approach to targeting social skills and pragmatics that you like to take and the thing that underpins some of the, the work that you do around social skills? Absolutely. So I... I love looking at the why, the why we do these things and why are we teaching kids to do the things that we want to teach them and to support them to be able to do. I tend to use a social thinking framework for that. So not just, hey, you need to let somebody else have a turn, but actually reflecting on how do you feel when you get to have a turn? And, oh, it feels really good, doesn't it? Do you think your friend Johnny would also feel good when he gets a turn? And then getting them to think about, yes, themselves and how they feel and what's happening for them, but also what might be happening for those around them. I find there's nice terminology you can use. It's 
I also find it's really important to think about the child themselves and how it's going to be impacting on them as well. So not just that it's going to be a blanket fit, like we said too. So do you know how you love talking about motorbikes? Because they're your absolute favorite thing. My favorite thing to talk about is gardening. If I talk about gardening for 10 minutes straight, is that going to get a bit boring for you? And then having them have a little bit of reflection and and insight then. One of the cool projects that we've done together is some of our group programs that we've come up with. And so one of the the ones that you're consistently putting your hand up for and that you're constantly doing every school holidays, which gets a huge response and we get (laughs) a lot of children coming back multiple times, is our social bots group. And so you certainly utilise some of those social thinking approaches approaches in the social bots group. What I really like about it is that we're targeting some of those special interests and some of the things that motivate children to be able to do more and to be more, such as coding or robotics or those fun toys that that particular age group particularly like, and then using that as a basis to form some of those social connections and things as well. So I certainly see that coming through in our work and it's about trying to again go back to what children find motivating and interesting to be able to use that going forward yeah definitely so I'm really interested to know is there a particular childhood memory for you growing up that stands out as something that you really recall something that was important in your life growing up I am one of those people that was very fortunate to have the most wonderful childhood. We grew up with very close family friends that we would spend every school holidays doing something. It wasn't often that we would be stuck inside. We'd be down snorkeling. We'd go out and do the beautiful Glen Rock to Merriweather walk in New South Wales. And I think I I got lots of things out of it. We love traditions in my family. So anything we got to do year in, year out was special and something that we would anticipate and look forward to. We would spend at least once a year at Wangat Lodge and I would love visiting my grandparents up in Brisbane, Queensland, whenever I could. Yeah, yeah. Do you use any of those experiences now, so those experiences for you growing up, in your role as a speech pathologist and helping families to be able to achieve similar experiences and things? That's a fantastic question and not one that I've reflected on before, but now that you're saying it, I think... I really liked having something to look forward to and having those fun experiences. So thinking about, you know, that kids can be learning when they're outdoors and playing. It doesn't have to be sat down at a desk and look like it does in a session. You know, we've got a table and chairs and we've got toys in front of us ready to go. But if you can be working on generalizing skills outside of those settings, yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic way to do it. We want to know who you'd like to hear from or what topics you would like us to discuss so we can continue to grow together. Reach out via email to growingup at agrowingunderstanding.com.au. Working as a speech pathologist, and you are an awesome speech pathologist. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any particular tips that you give to parents when they come to their first appointment or something that you find yourself saying to parents over and over again or different parents? Is there any particular tips that you might be able to share with our listeners? Yeah, one thing that I really valued learning and I believe a lot of it came from this fantastic OT that I worked with up in Coffs Harbour in Yamba in New South Wales. She spoke to me a lot about reducing expectations and using empathy for kids. So 
thinking about what do I absolutely need my child to do and what can I let go for for today. Problems that might seem small to us as adults as well, such as just adding one extra job to our list of things to do in a session, that's something that can feel really big to a child. So acknowledging this, saying, oh, I know it's one more job than last week and it feels a bit tricky. I believe in you all. Let's see and we'll, we'll do it together. Rather than just being dismissive and saying, it's only one more job, we've got to do it. Come on, let's do it. I find that that can be really helpful and make a difference. And sometimes we can get stuck in our own plan and what we had or what we had thought a session was going to look like or how we expect a child was going to go. So there'll be days where one of my little friends that I see can't sit at a desk and can't sit in a chair. So we'll move to the floor or we'll have a movement game where we're going to sound out words and we'll throw a ball to each other instead of doing it, just sat down still. And I love that every child I see has his or her own strengths and skills. I love the quirks. I love the interests. I could sit and talk to these kids all day and hear about what they're passionate about. So I really try to incorporate them and celebrate them. And when we do that, I think they do better. And I see that in your work. Like I see that you genuinely just love chatting to these kids and to these families. (laughs) Sometimes too much, I think. (laughs) And so I think that that passion for just connecting with people, I think what is what underpins your interest in those social skills so much is because you genuinely want to find out more about these children and families and you genuinely love engaging with them and you want to give them the best opportunity to be able to share in those skills and things as well. Absolutely. (laughs) I've got one last question for you. We talk a lot about shared book reading as a way of connecting and to be able to share interests and also to be able to explore worlds that aren't necessarily part of our everyday. Mm -hmm. Do you like to read? What are you reading at the moment? I hope this is not going to offend anyone here. I'm not much of a reader. I I love reading. Again, you go against the rule with speech pathology. I break a lot of rules. (laughs) I'm going to be hunted down, I think, and knocked on the door and kicked out of the profession, maybe. You can't like numbers and not like reading. I've recently discovered I'm not much of a visualiser and our fantastic colleague Linda and I had a chat about this a few months ago is that we both find it really hard to visualize and picture things and see images in our brain so these worlds that I know books can create for other people they can feel a bit like I'm just looking at words on a page I definitely love to read to learn and I I love learning about anything through reading I'll sit and absolutely lap that up uh, outside of that, I love audiobooks. I could sit and listen to Stephen Fry read Harry Potter a hundred times over and over again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, isn't it? That, yeah. yeah. As you said, you love to read to learn, but mm. can't get that picture in your mind. And so it's not an enjoyable thing. To I be don't able see to, it. Yeah. 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 It, it's been a real journey learning that that's something that happens to me because, you know, people go to the movies and say, oh, I didn't think so and so was going to look like that. And I would look at them and go, what do you, how did you know how they were going to look? It was just words on a page. So that's been an interesting journey. In saying that, books are fantastic. Keep reading books to your kids. There's so many wonderful things. And I love sitting and reading books with kids in the sessions too. It's a fantastic way to support language and engagement and everything. But that insight in itself that you and Linda can't visualise. Sorry, Linda. (laughs) is really interesting because I think that that too supports you working with children and families because you realise that there are those individual differences that make up who we are and what we do and that it's not a one size fits all as is the case with the the math 
that's enjoying non-reader <laughs> in the speech pathology profession. <laughs> the complete alien to yeah. the profession, that's right, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and for sharing some of your insights, Joe. I know that this has been really helpful for some of the listeners out there who have got children who may be having difficulties with some of their social skills and giving some of those tips and advice about what to consider and how they too might be able to support their children in those areas. Very grateful for you coming onto the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Growing Up with a growing understanding speech pathology. We love helping families navigate their parenting concerns and ensuring your child can grow and achieve. Please rate and review wherever you're listening so we can continue to grow together. 